Welcome to Stories of Briscoe and Bradshaw. I would be Bradshaw. That would be your Chickasaw native and Chickasaw Hall of Famer, Oklahoma's favorite son, Mr. Gerald Briscoe. And what a treat we have today. Former Puerto Rican heavyweight champion, Texas heavyweight champion, WCWA world heavyweight champion, the Latin heartthrob, Mr. Al Perez. Al, welcome to the show. John, thank you. Welcome. Glad to have me here, man. I'm glad to be here on this show. I hear good things about you all, and Jerry's always been Jerry. Never get any better, never get any worse. <laughs> that's that's the Jerry. greatest phrase ever. Jerry has always been Jerry. <laughs> that, that's, that sums it up perfectly. Yeah. Well, Al, Al, you know, I have been Jerry all my life. I was Gerald before that. And, uh, you know, yeah. that, that, that was, that's my given name is Gerald. And then, then I got down here in Florida. Eddie Graham said, I'm going to put you and your brother together. Jack and Gerald just doesn't sound right. So yeah, you're now Jerry. I said, okay, I'm Jerry. So I, I'm Jack and Jerry. Bristol. So I went by Jerry. Then I went up to New York, and then they they didn't like the J, how, how I spelled my name with a J, at Southern Style, so they put it with a G, Jerry. So I was Jack and Jerry with a G. And then after then after Vince got to know me, after I took about 20 years to learn my name, he started calling me Gerald. Then I went back to Gerald. So I, I went to full damn cycle there. Yeah. And, and speaking of full cycle, man, I remember you when, when the great Malenko was just breaking in, Jody oh. Simon. Jody Simon came to me and said, we got this state champion wrestler, great football player, and he he wants to get in the business there. So tell us a little bit about that outpress back in those Hillsborough uh, County school days where you were not only tearing up the tearing up the mats, getting getting those pens, and and some of the guys that, that were around, I think uh like Ricky Seaboat had just graduated right before you did. Yeah, and yeah. I saw you right after you did. So you were kind of yeah. in that, that wars. But not only that, you were tearing up the gridirons around it, around it, uh, this county here. Too. Tell yeah. us a little bit about Al Perez and the beginning. And what, 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 I know you were watching Florida Championship Press and the great Briscoe brothers. To, the Briscoe to, brothers. To inspire you. But tell us a little bit about Al Perez as a kid, a high school kid in college. Before I started in the business, I was a skinny little kid. I mean, I, I graduated 162, and I wrestled state. I wrestled since the seventh grade. Cause I followed my older brother, but then I just I kept getting bigger, and I, you know, I didn't know what to do when I graduated from high school. I had four scholarships for wrestling, and I just couldn't see any. I couldn't see leaving, so I was going to go to Tampa U. And that year, they closed down wrestling. They closed down all their sports, so. I said, hell with it. Let me, let me try out the pro wrestling. And I said, I, I told everybody, I said, well, I'll do it until I figure out what I want to do with my life. And yeah, 14, 15 years later, I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I did a little amateur wrestling, you know, and football and everything. But I was born and raised in Tampa. Were, were you, were you was your running back out in, in high school? No, I was a tight end. Tied in. I knew you were yeah. one of those skilled positions there. I was yeah. one of those grown guys like John. No, no. Like I said, I was skinny. I was tall and skinny. <laughs> High school, I wore a 24 slim, and you can slide my pants right off me. <laughs> that's, how, that's how tall I was. 6'2 and weighed 162 pounds. So, I mean, I, you know, yeah, like I said, I, I love the business. I used to watch Florida Championship. That was, to me, that was the only wrestling to watch. I mean, that was, that was the greatest thing. And I tell you what I was scared about 
was Bad Bad Leroy Brown. Oh, bad baddest man in town. And man, gonna, you know, he was a hell of a hill down there too, man. Yeah, he was. I, I yeah. couldn't figure out what to do with him. All my wrestling background, I could not figure out what to do with him. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, so so tell me, tell me this. So you're you're high after after high school and you had to have a couple of college scholarships and you turn those down. How did, how did you hook up with the great Malenko, who, who, who was one of the top trainers at that time in yeah. the entire world? Yeah, he was. He was. He was a fantastic trainer. He was. Uh, I wrestled with his younger son, uh, Shelly, or Dean Malenko. Was Dean Malenko, right? Yeah, yeah. And he was, I think he was a year behind me. And I, started, I met him somewhere after the matches and something. And we talked a little bit. And he said, man, why don't you come down and try this out? And I was like, yeah, okay. So I did, and I loved it. I, I and you're 165, 170. At that time, yeah. I wasn't much bigger. And I disappeared for a while. When I came back, I ran into to, uh, the great Malenko then. Right. And he said, why don't you give this a try? Like, this is a second approach. And I was like, let me try it, you know? Because I worked construction my whole life since I was like 12 years old. So I, I wanted to get out of that bad. So, that I mean, summer, summertime up on those roofs are a little hot, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did concrete and stucco and block mason, so I, I there was no shade, you uh, know. But, uh, yeah, I, I tried it out, and I liked it. One of my first <laughs> bad experiences I had, like I said, I was right out of college. I had, you know, a semester, not even a semester in college, but right out of college, I'm in there, and I'm – Selling my arm, you know, and I see this older man, 57 years old, walking in with a little bit of a limp, you know, and he comes up to the ring. I was cocky, Jerry. I, I was. <laughs> I thought I thought I could kick ass, but let me tell you, it don't happen. So this old man comes up to me. He's on, outside the ring, and he tells me it's supposed to hurt. Make it look like it hurts. So I looked dead in his face, and I went. Ouch. So he, he climbs up in the ring. He pulls himself up in the ring. And he tells me, let me show you what I mean. He went from one finger all the way across my body, head to toe, with one scream the whole time. <laughs> he beat me like I wasn't even a stepchild. He was you bad. And then I found out that was Carl Gotch. Oh, God. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> I figured that's where you're going. Right? All yeah. <laughs> and let me tell you, he, yeah, I heard he had just had both feet operated on. And he had bone spurs, bone chips, or whatever he had to remove. And that, that guy, a 57-year-old old man now, right? Look at me now. And he beat me so bad. I mean, he hurt me, he hurt me bad, my neck, everything. And he started showing he that's the only guy I know that could take your arm 50 different ways. And never repeat a move. I mean, he was that good. So but what he, he told you that day was a valuable experience for you. It's supposed to look like it hurts, right? Oh so, yeah, look like it hurts. Yeah. And buddy, he it made hurt. Me it hurt. <laughs> but he uh, he hurt my neck, and he kept you know demonstrating to other people, and I was selling my neck, you know. Uh, and he looked at me, said, "What's wrong?" I said, "Nothing." <laughs> he kept on going, kept on going. He looked at me again, and I was, you know, like I said, my, my my neck was hurting. He said, "What's wrong?" I said, "Nothing." He says, "Come here." I said, "You're not touching me." <laughs> <laughs> Just like that, I said, "You're not touching me." 
So he kept on, you know, and next thing I know, he was right in my face. He said, come here. I said, no. And he grabbed me, put me down, man. He cracked every bone in my body and straightened me out. I felt like just putty. And he told me that day, he says, come in here 30 minutes early every day. I said, no. I did. I told him no. But I, I did go down there. I worked out with him. Then I ran into Jody. And let me, <laughs> Jody, let me tell you something. If they had to get into a fight, I'd have to put my money on Jody. Yeah. Because Jody, he, he was awesome too. He is awesome. Yeah. You know, and Jody's, uh, Jody's a dear friend of mine. And I, I, he and I, we didn't hit it off when I first met him, you know, because he had he'd been training with Gotch and, and you yeah. know, he, they, they, they acquire that attitude, you know, and oh, yeah. you know, I, I just come out of college myself, you know, and I, you know, and so he and I just kind of hit it off on the wrong, wrong foot there. But yeah. since then we've become wonderful friends and I've learned to respect him because I've heard so many stories from you and other guys, just how, how badass Jody really was. John, yeah. he, he, he's a, I don't know if you've ever met Jody. He, he's a, he's a Dean's older brother and he, he's yeah. a tough SOB, man. He'll Wyatt, yeah. you would never think he was as tough as he is. And smart, a smart guy. Yeah. Too. yeah, yeah, he is. But uh, with matter of fact, when I first started, there was Don Curtis. Remember yeah. Don Curtis? Right, yeah, he started that sure. sun belt. Yeah, he started yeah. that sun belt wrestling. And I went with him. And like I said, I was about 210 pounds at the time. And Jody was still about 175, soaking wet. And this guy started mouthing off, you know, in the, about the ring and about the matches, this, that, and the other. <clears throat> and uh, Curtis told him, says, well, after the match, we stay here and we'll see how tough you are. So I'm figuring, because the guy was a pretty, pretty good-sized guy. So I figured it was going to be me to, you know, show this guy, teach this guy a lesson, right? Well, let me tell you something. I was I stayed dressed and I thought Don was gonna come up to me and he was Jody, let's go out there. I was like, this little guy. <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you something. He I, I couldn't tell you how he did it, but within two seconds he had the guy laying face down on his belly, sitting on his back with his elbow in his spine. He said, This is so easy. He said, I wouldn't even break a sweat. He said, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to count to three. When I say three, I want you to jump up as fast as you can. So he goes, one, two, three. The next thing I know, Jody's got his legs wrapped around his neck, and the guy's already turning purple. Jerry, John, it was not even two seconds. I mean, I was like, I was definitely impressed, you know. <laughs> but he, he was tough, man. He is tough. So you're training there, Blinkos. How long did you stay in that training school, and and what what were the the methods of it? Was it was it uh, other than God's coming in and, and showing you that it hurt? Yeah, was, it, it, was, it, did you? <laughs> I know Malenko's old school, and he he's yeah. a torture type guy. Anyway, yeah, and so he he did. He had a few guys that he did like, and he taught me faster than the most. I guess because I was coordinated. You know, because you get some guys that start trying to get in the business, shouldn't, you know. But he he did take me under his wing, and he helped me out a lot. But he, he taught me basically the showbiz part of it and everything about that from there. Because the holes and stuff I knew and the moves, but just how to sell something that 
you don't really feel unless they want you to know. You know, and let me tell you something. I'm, I'm glad I did it. And I wish I had more time with both of them. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> that, that's the thing about after you get through with that stuff, you, you start thinking, man, I wish I would have stuck around just for learning yeah. a little bit more. from. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and Jerry, you know, John, you know, too, there's always somebody tougher. Yeah. <laughs> and I've seen I've, I've known some tough guys, but. Man, there's there's some monsters out there. Yeah. Uh, other than than the two uh, Malenko brothers, Dean, uh, Dean and uh, Jody, were there anybody else that uh, that made it in the business that you were training with at school? You know, at that time, the, the other guy who that I seen afterwards was uh, Barry Horwich. Barry, yeah, yeah, Barry, and there was a couple guys. They 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 never lasted though. They didn't last that long. You know, uh, there was you know when I was there, he probably had about twenty students. But, you know, after a while, they just start fading off and getting what, Was the, this at the mattress factory or was this yes, at Yes, it the, was with Carl oh, wow. Montrowine. <laughs> yeah, Carl Carl, good old Carl yeah. Montrowine. Yeah, Carl, yeah. You know that cauliflower ear that Carl walked around <laughs> proudly, proudly? I'm responsible for that. And I, I could, after, after, after I hit him with that punch, he didn't know I was left-handed. Johnny, <laughs> oh, yeah. my, one of my first matches, I get the guy in the ropes, back him in the ropes, and he said, hit me hard with your, uh, hit me hard. And I yeah. went right back, and I hit him hard. I hit him right square in the ear. And immediately his ear started getting <laughs> red and, and squirting out there. And after that, I went, I was told by Leroy McGurk himself, kid, I don't want you throwing another punch until I tell you you can throw a punch. It was, <laughs> yeah. probably, it was probably eight months after that before they let me throw another punch. <laughs> Similar story. I was in New Zealand, and I, I might have been in the business about a year. And uh, what's his name? Ox Baker. Come here, kid. Let me show you how to throw a punch. And he would come from an uppercut. And he always hit like that. He'd go, now try it. So I threw one like that. Man, it was perfect. He looked at me and says, do it again. Do it again. And I did it again and knocked him out. <laughs> it wasn't perfect the second one. <laughs> it wasn't perfect that time. And I always heard, you know, paybacks, paybacks. So we... <laughs> I looked at I didn't know what to do. So I, I just got on top of him and held him down. <laughs> he, looked, he picked up and he goes, what a punch, kid. What a punch. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, man. But, yeah, I learned that. And then I learned uh, another tough guy was Pat O'Connor. Right. Pat was awesome. Woo. And let me, I had, you know, because here they're giving me a push in New Zealand. You know, here, you know, a U.S. guy and this, that, and the other. <laughs> And one of the matches that I had, the first match that I had was with Pat O'Connor. And he's another one, man. He put me in a short arm scissor. And I wasn't used to just laying around, you know. Yeah. He put me and I couldn't move my arm. My hand was turning purple. I mean, it was, it was <laughs> bad. First round was over and this guy's just on my arm. I'm like, so I go in there, I'm going to keep my arm away from him. Man, he jumped on that arm again. <laughs> After a while, I got a little bit upset with it, and uh, I don't know how I did it, but he got his legs wrapped around my arm like that, and I ended up picking him up and put him on my shoulders and walked him to the turnbuckle. And he tells me, what a move, kids, what a move. And I, I just want to get my arm back, you know. <laughs> and we built the rest of the, like six weeks in New Zealand on that move right wow. there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He he's another tough one, man. 
Yeah, but yeah. Pat, Pat, Pat was one of the smoothest guys I ever shared a ring with, too. I mean, a guy who was like silk out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you're a little bit older than me, but I know back then there were some tough guys. Yeah. And so so, so your days, days with Malenko there, you, you're, you're training and finally, finally you get the opportunity. How, how much did they really smarten you up, Al? I mean, you know, uh, God was in it. Did they, mm-hmm. did they come out and tell you it was all showbiz and you're not no, going to start the guys? No. And they no. just kind of threw you out to the wolves, right? Correct? And, he, and he, he, no. Yeah, he threw me out there. But meanwhile, he would show me how much it could hurt and how much he didn't hurt it. You know, and like he said, it's all the amount of pressure applied because every hold was real. Every And this is what he taught me. Every hold is real. It's the amount of pressure you apply. And that's where I learned to... There's always a tougher guy out there. <clears throat> and yeah, he was right. So I had my first man, matter of fact, with Don Curtis wow. in uh, Jacksonville. I had my first match with the great Malenko. Wow. You're a trainer. Yeah. Yeah. And he, man, I, I, I threw it. I was always forearm guy because I couldn't throw a punch very good. Yeah. Yeah. And I hit him with a forearm. And let me tell you, he sold it like it was a million dollars. I mean, he, I was like, sorry. I, I thought I actually heard him, you know, and then he got me booked in uh, New Brunswick. This, 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 this was after the day, after Eddie's run here, I guess. Yeah. 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 Eddie was gone by then. And so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But so, uh, so you, you had to go up to Nova Scotia. Yeah. Uh-huh. That, that, that's a culture change, right? That's a, new that's, a, that's a big culture change from Tampa, Florida to New Brunswick. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Luckily, it was in the summertime. <laughs> <laughs> Even then, it, it's cold yeah, it and brutal. Cold. <laughs> it was still cold. I saw, I went to a river. You know, I was up there, and I went to a river. I saw this, man, this little girl, probably about two years old, standing in this river. And it looked so fresh, man. So I, I jumped in there. And that water was ice cold. <laughs> and that little girl stood there like nothing. I was like, I couldn't I could wait to get out of there. I wasn't sure about water. I was like, no, I'm done. <laughs> was, yeah, Nova Scotia, raised... was Nova Scotia your first territory to work? Yeah, yeah. How did you and get born in Nova Scotia? The Malenko got me booked there. He had he knew Emel Dupree. Yeah, and he was a he was a booking promoter there, and he got me booked in there. I had a guarantee. I was like, man, this is great, my first job here, and I only lasted about three weeks. Uh-huh. You know, you talk about you know, so that, really, so that guarantee wasn't guaranteed after all. <laughs> yeah, no, it was guaranteed, but he told me American money. <laughs> when I got there it was Canadian money. Yeah, okay, <laughs> you know, which was only which was only not even half. You know. Yeah. So, yeah, back back in those days, it wasn't it wasn't even half of it. Yeah, uh, uh-uh, uh, uh-uh. and you know, my first day there, you know, we start filming, and the original, I believe, had to be the original Cuban assassin, not David. Not David. This guy, this guy was older than me, long bushy hair, beard, and he was. Well, what pa- Pacho? His name? I believe so. Yes, Pacho it was. Rosario. He had a big bird tattooed on his chest. Yep. Yeah, Pacho Rosario. <laughs> and he looked at me and says, are you a shooter? I didn't know what a shooter was. <laughs> no, I really didn't. I didn't know what a shooter was. And I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> said, Let me tell you something. That was it. 
<laughs> you sure everybody, said that, huh? <laughs> no, everybody was, they were afraid to work with me, <laughs> you know, but they put me on there and everything. And it was okay because I was going as uh, Joseph Odie. No, wait, with the Joe, there was two brothers, Joe yeah. and Angelo, right? No, that was a father. Uh, okay. I, I went as I, I don't know who you're talking about. I, I can't, can't yeah. say that. I remember Joe. 40, 50 years ago. <laughs> yeah. But I wrestled as him. And another original, I've never seen anybody this big. This guy. He was the, I always call him the original Great Malumba. This guy had no fat on him. This guy looked like a bodybuilder on steroids. I mean, his, he had 40 inch thighs. This guy was huge. I mean, he really was huge. And of course, the Cuban assassin, oh, be careful, shooter, shooter. So, yeah, like I said, I didn't think, I said, man, I shouldn't have said that. So, how, how long did it take you to figure out that? What a shooter was and what you said. <laughs> well, after everybody told me, man, we don't want to mess with you. I'm like, what did I do? I didn't know. But then it, it actually helped me. It helped me later on. <laughs> <laughs> but this uh, this great Malumba, let me tell you, this guy was huge. And we were in the dressing room. And he starts telling jokes. And everybody laughed. And I laughed. And he stood up next to me and says, you laughing at me? I was like. No. He said, why are you laughing? I said, well, I thought the joke was funny. So everybody, ha ha, laugh, laugh. Next day, says a joke. Everybody laughs. I laughed. Same thing. You know, he come up. He says, you laughing at me? I was like, no, I thought it was funny. Third day, he does it again. The only mistake he made, you know, you got a little bit of Latin, half Italian, half Cuban, a little bit of a temper. He, uh, he came up and he says, you laughing at me? And he taps me on my shoulder. And I, I, it was time. And I, I stood up. And as soon as I stood up, everybody in the dressing room ran. And I told the guy, I said, you can do whatever you want to do. You can say whatever you want to do, but don't you ever fucking touch me again. The next, I mean, every, he, and he backed off. I was scared shitless. <laughs> but he backed off the next day. He's knocking on my door. Hey, let's go to the gym. Let's go to the gym. That was my best buddy for the rest of my tour there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. <clears throat> and this story about him, too, you know, you talk about road travels and stuff. A lot of the guys I travel with are gone. <clears throat> and, you know, remember uh, Don Fargo? Yeah. All right. Well, Don Fargo was sitting passenger side. I was driving. And the great Malumba was sitting on the bench on the bench seating, but they had it sideways. And I'm driving, it's like midnight, and we're driving, hauling butt. And Don Fargo says, there's a gas station right there. So I turned that car, turned that van over like that. And that big dude just fell out of that bench and started rolling. <laughs> <laughs> For the next 30 minutes, he was sitting between me and Don. <sighs> Uh, I mean, he was steaming. He was steaming bad, man. I was like, <laughs> but yeah, that was what my first story as far as you want to call it a rib. <laughs> you know, it wasn't a funny one, boy. It wasn't a funny one. No, no man. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. So, so your, your, your tour up there only lasted a, a few weeks, right? Yeah. I was supposed to be there seven weeks. I lasted three weeks. When I started getting the first two weeks with 400 Canadian 
Yeah, I'm trying to send money home and you can't do it, you know. So my third week, I got paid out of, out of uh, Halifax, caught a plane, flew home. And I felt, you know, I said, I'm not staying here for that. And I got out of the business for about maybe about three months. Did you when know? you went when you went home, did you go to Malenko and tell him what happened? Or yeah. Yeah. yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. He asked me what, what happened. I said, I'm expecting, you know, American money and I got Canadian money. And he just shook his head and that was the end of that story, you know. But uh yeah, it, so they this, were new, you didn't you didn't go back to training, you just said this business no. is not for me at the Yeah, I said, no, I'm out, I'm out. And when it went back to Malenko, you know, he said, Well, let's give it a try. So I, I worked out with him some more. And of course, Carl. And then that's when I really ran into Jody. And I saw how tough he really was, you know. Right. <clears throat> then uh, after that. I went to California for uh, Anton Leon. Anton Leon, Ripper Leon. Yep, Anton Leone. And I worked there for about, I guess, about four months. Is this uh, the San Francisco or area? Yeah, or, or uh, Bakersfield, yeah. Sacramento, Bakersfield, all up in there. Yeah. When was Char still around or defolded already? I think he folded. He folded. Yeah. And so uh, this was, was like an independent circuit that Anton yeah. was running. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh that's where I met Ron Starr. Uh, you know, and a few other, yeah, other Ron, guys. Ron, you then you your past crossed with Ron played plenty of other times too, right? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And everything was good. Then from there I just, I just started the circuit. Uh, I never got to work Florida Championship Wrestling <laughs> because I thought, you know, I was thought I was smart. You know, <laughs> I said, hey, yeah, you know how that goes. Yeah. I figured, you know what I'll do? I'll make my rounds, do all my traveling now. And then when I get ready to retire, I'll work Florida and stay home. Right. <laughs> and about the year that I decided, you know, hey, yeah, I think I'm going to retire and stay home. Florida Championship Wrestling closed down. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, great. So I was back out in the road, you know. <clears throat> So, so when you came home from uh, 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 Canada, there went to Malenko's. You you you, you kind of kind of did put it around, got yourself a job, a, a citizen yeah. job. And, yeah, like and, and I said, what, what 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 sparked you to get back in it now? I hated working construction <laughs> <laughs> in the Florida summertime. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you, like I said, since I was twelve years old, my dad, my uncle owned construction company. My dad was a block mason in concrete. My uncle did stucco. So, I mean, I, I, 12 years old, I started working. I hated it. <laughs> but every time I got hurt in this, in this business, I came back home and I got into stucco because that's what I did for a living for a while, you know. But, uh, yeah, I, I wanted to make it bad. That old saying, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Right. To me, that's bull. If you love what you do, you work harder at it to get better. Amen. I gotta believe that there. And so, yeah. so, so you're you're out there, you're out there laying brock and putting putting that suckle up against that block there, and and that, that sun beating down on you. Who did you go to, Malenko? Uh, yeah. And going back to Malenko, where where did he send you at that time? California. Um. Yeah, California, California. So you're out there work, working for Ripper Leone and and. Yeah. yeah. What happened out there that, that sent you back? No, they just they closed down. They like closed I said, down. we ran for about almost three months. 
three, four months, I think. I don't, I don't even remember. And he, he closed down, just went out of business. I think the biggest crowd he had was in Bakersfield, which was maybe a thousand people, you know, but we did two and he did. I mean, I, the promotions weren't like they were, you know, your big times, you know, your like Florida championship wrestling, but you know, he did just advertised by flyers, you know, <clears throat> but yeah, it, it taught me to open the door. So from there I went to, uh, I went to San Antonio, San Antonio for uh, Joe Blanchard. Mm-hmm. And Tully was there, and uh, yeah, Tully was there, and the Raging Bull was there too. He wasn't there at the time; he came in after. Uh-huh. And they. So they, how how were you guys drawn at and and uh, Blanchard territory at that time? And I guess because right before that is when uh, Von Eric split up, but uh, Joe kept the uh, the cable TV for a while, and then he lost that, you know. Right. But it was good then. Jerry, that's when they get, they started giving me a push. You know, a young guy and Joe, yeah. you know, he did take me in. You know, and and, and, and if I remember right, the pictures I said you you were jacked at the time. You were you were, you were yeah. starting to go into the heartthrob uh, part of your career. No, not quite, not yet, not, not yet. quite. Yeah. No, not yet. I was the because uh, mainly I was a lonely bull. A lonely bull. <laughs> The lonely bull is what they called me. I had the, I had the cape and everything, you know. They put a sombrero on me, you know, San Antonio. So I did that for a while, and uh, that's when uh, Luke and Jonathan Boyd, the Bushwhackers. Yeah, the Bushwhackers. Was was that when you first started work working heel too, or did no, no? Out? I was baby. I was still a baby you're, face. You're a baby face. Yeah. yeah, I was a baby face, and I just didn't understand the game as a baby face, you know. But I, I stayed there. My, like I said, my son was born in San Antonio. So that was 40, 38 years ago. So, but it was it was good, and I learned. Right after that, I went. I came. I didn't come home. Right out of there was uh, Sammy Cohen out of South Africa. I met him in in San Antonio because both of his kids worked there, and he took me to South Africa. And let me tell you, that's where I became a heel. Uh-huh. And that's when the light turned on, like, this is great. This is what it's supposed to feel like, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I guess my problem was I like control. And as a heel, you know, as a heel, you control everything that goes on in that ring. And I loved it. I never, I, that I can remember, I never eaten up a baby face. I've never eaten up a baby face, and that's what Malinko taught me too. I yeah, said, I read I read somewhere where, where you said uh, you know that that being a baby face, you 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 you're you're just there, you're following and everything, but you had a leader instinct in you, and you had, but Malinko yeah. taught you taught you you know if if you just go out there and eat somebody up, then you have, who who else you beat nothing exactly, yeah. and that always stuck with me. People used to, oh he's a jobber, he's a jobber. If you beat up a jobber, you didn't beat anything. And that's, I, I took care of my jobbers. If you want to call them jobbers, I never beat up or ate up anybody. But when I finished my match, I had a match and everybody was was good. Everybody loved it or hated me. <laughs> so in South Africa, you're learning, you're learning the business from a different perspective. You're learning how to be a leader out there. Yeah. And for our listeners, it, it, it's, uh, John can testify to this because 
you're John or natural heels. You, you love, love, love that control out there and love being the upper hand there, but also just controlling the people's emotions and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> and and you do. That, yeah. Feel a feel of that. So, uh, yeah, you're starting to progress. Can you feel that progression coming on? And, and, and yeah, the, and the business starting to click in your head now, right? The light turned on and I couldn't get enough of it. I mean, it, it's just, I wanted more, I wanted more. And the more I traveled, man, the more I, I, I loved it. I did, I really did. And I still can't figure out, you know, I got hurt. That's why I had to get out. But other than that, I'd still be in there. You know, I how think- was, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. How was, how, how was uh, South <coughs> Oxford, Sammy Conner? And for those that are listening, uh, his sons were the Simpson brothers who were such- Yes, brothers. yes. Yeah, Sean and, and Steve. Yeah. yeah, they were they were good. But South Africa, let me tell you, South Africa is a beautiful country. Yeah, I love it down there. Oh, too. gorgeous yeah. country. And was, how how was the territory down there? Under John, Canada? John nearly got me killed in a bar down there against the New Zealand rugby team. Oh. I did. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. I almost got killed when I got to Durban. <laughs> yeah, I did. I was there for uh, for ten weeks the first time, and like I said, my son was just born. I missed his one now he. When he first started walking, because I was I was in New Zealand uh, in South Africa for ten weeks, and I was coming home after five, and then Luke and Butch got there, because you know you're lonely, you're out there and you're by yourself, you know. Right. <clears throat> but Luke and Butch got out there, and I had people that I could talk to and relate to, because now we're all heels, and I did ten weeks there, and it was beautiful. It really was. What were your major towns that you ran? Uh, Durban, Johannesburg, Victoria, and Cape Town. And then did, yeah. did you run some spot shows as well? Those were your major yeah, ones? Yeah, those were the major ones. And then just to keep us busy, with just little, little spot shows right outside town and stuff. Yeah. But it was, it was good. They had, they had pretty good crowds. The next time, because I went back, I went back. Uh, that was when I was world champion for, uh, for uh, WCCW, you know, the Von Erics. I even took the title down there. You know, Sammy said, hey, can you? So I did. I went down there and I went to uh, Durban to wrestle their champion. It was Gama Singh, you know, yeah. the Indian champion there. Right. Sure. I only lasted three weeks because Sammy wanted to get a four-week program. Okay. So as a heel, you know, first match, I beat him. I cheat. And everybody got pissed off. Second week, I cheat. So now we're going for the title. The third week when I cheated... This guy in a gray suit jumps up on the apron and he tells me, you know, there's like 5,000 people in there. He tells me, you will not leave. And I was come on, come on in here. I'll take care of it, you know. And he kept screaming and hollering. The guy sitting next to him jumps up on the apron and tells me, I'm going to blow you away. So, you know, I'm not thinking anything, you know, I'm South Africa. I don't know no better. So I tell him, come on in here. I'll take care of you too. And he opens up his jacket and he starts pulling out his gun. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was time for me to leave, you know. <laughs> at, at, at that time, too, I think South Africa was a murder capital of the world, too. I believe so. <laughs> I felt like it was. <laughs> <laughs> that night, it felt like it was. Yeah, <laughs> that night, it was. That night, it was. But that was the first time that I actually got lost in the ring. Because, you know, when Malenko talks, he, you roll the corners. You roll back and forth in the corners so you don't get lost. But that night, that was the first time I got lost in the ring. 
you're fighting for your life. You know, I'm, I have people running at me, trying to hit me. And I, hell, probably about six or seven people. And then I realized my dressing room was the other way. <laughs> so I had to go back through it. And, you know, when you see a, a street fight or something that lasts 10 minutes, I said, that's bull. A street fight only lasts about maybe 30 seconds before you're gassed, you know, because you got the adrenaline flowing and everything. And after a while, it's just, you're fighting for your life and, you're, and you, you have no fight left. <laughs> I got hit with a steel chair across my head. I could see my dressing room door. I could see it right there. My arms are down. I'm done. And I see a steel chair hit me in the head and I go like this and just puddles of blood, just a trail. Yeah, I made it up to the dressing room door. I passed out on the stairs. I make it up again. I pass out again. The next time I come to, somebody's holding me down and I got an Indian sitting on top of me. I was fighting for my life. I thought, you know, I thought they got me. It was a doctor two and a half hours later. Wow. Yeah. They couldn't get me out of the building. Wow. Two and a half hours later, they bring a doctor in. He sews up my head. I broke this finger. The bone come out. He snapped the finger back in place, sewed it up, stopped the bleeding. Two and a half hours later, they, they rushed me to the hospital where I'm there for about three days. And a reporter calls me up in the room and asked me what happened. And I told him, this guy jumps up on the apron, blah, blah, blah. I'm a heel. You know, I, no, I didn't cheat. You know, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still working. And this reporter asked me what happened. I told him what happened. You know, this guy jumped up on the apron. The guy next to him pulls out a gun and stuff. And she tells me, that son of a bitch, this is the third riot he starts. He's not getting wow. away with this. Yeah. He's not getting away with this one. I didn't know anything about it, right? Man, 15 minutes later, my phone rings in the hospital again, and I know the voice. It was him. <laughs> and he tells me, if that story makes a paper, you will not leave this country alive. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was, then I was, then I knew it was real, you know. Hey, what, what city was that, Al? In Durban. Durban, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I found out that he was the prime minister of the Indian nation. <laughs> and I'm calling, I'm calling, come on in here, you know, I'll beat your ass too, and all this stuff. And yeah, so I called Sammy and he flew me from hospital to hospital back to Johannesburg. I spent another four days in the hospital. Uh, I had a concussion, my finger was broken, everything. I, I, my forehead came to a V. I mean, it was that swollen, that, that bad. And the next week after, when I, when I finally got out, <clears throat> The promoter down in Durban calls him and says, Al, coming to wrestle. He says, no, he can't wrestle, but I'm going to send him down there and let him cut an interview. And the promoter said, no. He said, if he can't wrestle, send him home because they want to kill him here. So like three, three years later, I was still getting phone calls to finish that match. Wow. Yeah. So I was, I was like, ah. So every time I got pissed off at my wife, I say I'm going back to Africa. <laughs> and she <laughs> probably bought you a ticket a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So recently she did. <laughs> go, I don't care. Go. Yeah, go. <laughs> was anybody helping you out during the whole riot? I mean, was the security, I guess, probably wouldn't help you because they were South African. They're but all South African. I'm the only I'm the only white guy there. 
You know, wow. I was the only white guy. I could see the security, but I'm alone, you know? So, yeah, I lasted there about four weeks before they sent me home. <laughs> I couldn't get back in the ring, you know? But it was it was an experience. It was, it was good and bad, you know, because back there, back then, the big uh, the big wrestler there in the in like Johannesburg and Cape Town was John Wilkinson. He was he was in his fifties back then, and a big finish there was a hip toss. Wow. Yeah. So when you go in there and you're doing something else from the United States, people really freak out because they're never seeing stuff like that. You know, but a hip toss was a big finish back then. You know, and, and Jan Wilkins was the man. You know. How hard were the rings? They were about the same as here. Were they, they the same? Because, you know, sometimes these yeah. old rings, you know, that, that they were. Yeah. <clears throat> no, they were, they were pretty good rings. They were pretty good rings. It didn't have quite as much bounce. I mean, that, that one inch between, you know, six by eight by eights or whatever. It wasn't that, that much different. They were a little bit bigger. You know, you get in there, it's almost like a boxing ring, you know? And uh, that, so that was the only thing different about it. I had, I had good experiences there too, you know? Can't remember the guy's name, Mike Skidder. Mike Skidder was a, a, a 300, he was the first 300 pound boxer ever. And I had matches with him. And cause he was known as boxing. He was supposed to put Ali over and he said, no, he said, a white man will not lose to a black man. That's how, that's how far back I was like, man, and he was offered back then $250,000. He said, no. And then that uh, was his name, Jerry Cosia, Cosia, the other boxer. Mike Skidder broke both of his hands on his head. When Jerry Cosia would throw a punch, he would turn into it and broke both of his hands and they disqualified Mike for it. But Mike used to tell me, because <clears throat> he was a big baby face there, he used to tell me, hit me. I said, no, Mike, I'm not gonna hit you. He said, throw the punch to hit me. And let me tell you, you couldn't hit him if you wanted to. You know, because I, you could see his eyes follow you, follow your hand, and right before you make contact, he's not there. You know, but I mean, he was good. He was real good. But I had great matches with him. You know. <clears throat> and, and then after South Africa, were you were you going back and were you going back to San Antonio at that point? Yeah. No. From then, I believe I went to Louisiana for Will, Bill Watts. Yeah. And then, uh, and then that's where I went to Dallas with uh, Von Erichs. You know. So I, I was I was going back and forth San Antonio. Uh, I ended up in Dallas. That's why. That's why I got the Latin heart throb. Because uh, when I went, when I came back in, matter of fact, is when I went to Puerto Rico, and I met all those guys there. And Luke was a booker at that time too. You know, so that, they gave me a push there too. And I, like I said, I had a, I had a good run for what almost fifteen years. You know, <clears throat> Luke, Luke, Luke uh, doesn't get enough credit for his his uh, backstage uh, smartness in this business. Yeah. Uh, he, he was a hell, hell of a booker. And while we're talking about the Bushwhackers, you know, a, a Butch just passed away here, yeah, here recently. So uh, all three of us were, were good friends with Butch. Yeah. Our, our condolences yeah. go out to the family and, and to and to Luke, Luke also. Yeah. On loss right. of a dear friend that 
he had been partners with over 50 years, which is really yeah. unusual in this business there. So, he, he so was God, a good, God bless you. God bless you. He was definitely a good guy. Yeah. The next day I called Luke, and I, you know, the day after when, when I found out, I called him and then I texted him. And I'm sure he didn't want to answer the phone. You know, but yeah, he was Butch was good people too. Yeah. He was good people too. So Butch Butch had a bad back and he couldn't take a slam for some reason. He could take other bumps, but he couldn't take a slam yeah. with his career. Yeah. So yeah. when I came uh, in, I was working with Luke and Butch, and I, I was, you know, young know, and green, but as a rib, I'd always act like I got lost and call a slam. Oh. <laughs> he would panic. <laughs> no kid, no kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was good. He was he was good in the ring. He was good in the ring. But the so, uh when go ahead. So when you came back from South Africa, you 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 you're still not not healthy. Where where did you go? And you were you were you were the champion, right? Yeah. Well, I, I took some time off. I had gone back to Dallas. Everything was good. I worked there again, and that's when uh, uh, Chris Adams, uh, Fritz joined with some other company or whatever, trying to get it running again. And I told Fritz, I said. I'll lose the title to whoever I have to lose the title to to keep this thing going. And Fritz told me, he says, nope, you're my champion. You don't lose that title until I tell you to. So I didn't. <clears throat> but I took that title down to a Trinidad. See, this is, a, and I'm not knocking any organization <clears throat> because back then, WWF, you know, and that was, that was by far the biggest. Outside NWA. To me, NWA was always my, basically my home. Well, your you know? home. Yeah, it was my home too. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Barry Horowitz, I did an autograph session with Barry. And some of the guys said, oh, our friend's world champion. And Barry made the comment, yeah, only in Texas. And I just looked at him. I was like, because I took that title to South Africa. I took that title to Trinidad. The difference with NWA and WWF back then, we worked with other people, other organizations, not just WWF. When Hogan worked, you know, he worked with the guys from WWF. To me, like Flair, like your brother, you go to another territory, you're working with their best. You're working with their champions. You know, and I worked with, uh, oh, I forgot his name. He looked like, he looked like a gorilla from Trinidad. And back in, Tr in Trinidad, they don't have ringside because it's pretty dangerous. <clears throat> and I was in yeah, the I, I, wore, I worked Trinidad in that Did situation, you? too. So, so you I, have, you, I can back you up on that. Yeah. I don't know the guy's name, but he was their superstar. This guy was another big, huge guy. And like I said, I, I like the power and control. And we were probably about 30, 35 minutes into the match. And I called the spot where... I'm going to duck it. He's going to go out. Well, I'm going to go out. He's going to chase me out. And he tells me, Al, are you sure? I was like, yeah. He's, I said, why? He said, look around. Because they don't have ringside there. But everybody was out of the bleachers, and they were all ringside. Because, I mean, I, like I said, when I got into my matches, I mean, I would get every bit of it out I could. You know, I would beat you down and let you fight back. Beat you down. And I did, I did. And he, he protected me all the way out back to the dressing room. <laughs> you know, he threw me out, he covered me up and I had my, he had my head covered and he would pound on me and I was just walking to the dressing room with him. So it gets, it gets kind of dangerous because people back then really believed in it. 
you know, and they, like I said, but there was some good, good talent. There was some good talent like back then, you know. I, I was always shocked at Trinidad. You go down there to Little Island and they go in that big damn soccer stadium, 60, yeah. 70,000 people, and it would have probably have 35, 40,000 people fans in it. They would come over from boat from New, uh, from uh, from Venezuela, yeah, from Venezuela, they come over <laughs> on boats and everything. It was, it was an unbelievable festival when they'd have matches there. Yeah, it was. And uh, like I said, people believed in, in Puerto Rico. Just, I think all these little islands like that. These people believed uh, when I was a baby face down in Puerto Rico, uh, this lady handed me a cup and it was acid. She's giving me battery. <laughs> yeah. To throw at my, uh, who I forgot who I was with. To throw at my opponent. I was like, so I actually got in and I threw it away, you know. But they used to put in Puerto Rico, I'm sure you know, they used to put nets, big tall nets. Right. around the ring you yeah. know and hell you'd be you'd be having a match and you'd be looking like up in the air looking because people throw d batteries over at you and stuff you know and man they got good aim too oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> look at all the baseball players yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah Al, who it was, was it that gave you the latin heartthrob name or did you gary come up hart. with that <clears throat> gary hart and then, was uh, that when he first got back first got to texas yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was that yeah. the counteract of Von Eric's? Uh... Yeah, yeah. My the big match that I had was Kerry and and Kevin. You know, and let me tell you, like I tell, said, tell us a little bit about that atmosphere because those guys there was never anybody over like like those two guys in that in that territory. Um, no, and in Texas, the Von you say the Von Eric name, woo. To this day. Yeah, the name alone, <clears throat> but uh, hell, other than Carrie and Kevin, Fritz. <laughs> yeah. I got in a couple of matches, not matches, but had some run-ins with Fritz. I know here I'm in the ring. I'm going against Bruiser Brody, you know, Frank, and you know how big Frank was, you know, and <clears throat> he put me over like a champ. I mean, I was like, you know, this guy here, and he, he put me over like a champ. I mean, it doesn't beat him, but he made me look like the superstar, you know. And here's another one. He would lay in the punch, and I punch him back. He said, hit me. I said, I'm not going to hit you. If I can make it look right and not hurt you, that's what I'm going to do. After that, he was butter. He was great. He was great. But we had matches, and then we'd be fighting outside the ring, and people would go crazy because Frank was over, too, in Texas. Right. Yeah. Frank yeah. was big in Texas, too. And we're going toe-to-toe -to -toe fight here and there. And you know it's a big guy when they pull you up and it's like this way up. Not this way, but up straight up. Fritz came from behind me. He grabbed me by my hair like that. I turned around. I said, oh, it's him. He hit me across the ear. Man, he broke my eardrum. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. But the Von Erics, let me tell you, the Von Erics were definitely over. Definitely. How did you end up with Gary Hart? Out of Puerto Rico. He came in there with Abdullah and I had some matches because I was still a baby face at, at the time. And I was a baby face. So he he saw me in in us in Puerto Rico because he was Gary's uh Abdullah's manager. And he told me, Ah, when you leave here, give me a call. He gave me his number. And when I when I left Puerto Rico, I gave him a call. He said, Come to Dallas. 
And I went in there, you know, first day in the territory. And he tells me, he's sitting down talking to Frank, uh, Bruiser Brody. And he tells me, Al, um, I'm gonna, I, I would like to be your manager and I want you to be my, my champion. Is that okay with you? I was like, yeah. So, I mean, I, I walked into a, a good spot there, you know. And uh, I remember I was, from San Antonio, I was a baby face, but now I'm turn, I've turned heel. And it was. Did, it was did, did, did those two territories uh, overlap any? Was there yeah, any yeah, any? yeah. We used to, out of, out of Dallas, we'd run San Antonio. We would run uh, Austin and uh, Houston. You know, but at that point there, Joe was already getting, he was already done. Blanche was already out of it, you know. But uh, yeah, I, when I met Gary, that opened up a lot of doors for me, you know. And he gave me the Latin heartthrob, you know. So uh, we made an interview one time. <laughs> this lady at the restaurant, she was the owner of the restaurant. And we're cutting a video. and you know, this guy comes up with flowers. And I look at the flowers. I say, here, babe, this for you. Then I'm sitting with the owner like she's my date. You know, I said, here, babe, this for you. I said, maybe next time I'll give you a real one. You know, I'm here. I'm, I'm talking shit with her, you know, and she's looking at me like, what the hell is wrong with you, you know? So uh, then the check comes and I look at her, the heartthrob, you know? So I said, here, I gave her the check. I said, use a credit card. We'll spend your cash later. So I thought I thought it was great. I did. I thought it was great. And when I got home, I was I was proud as hell. And my dad looked at me and he he shook his head. He was sitting in, in Nick's restaurant on Columbus Drive right. with his friends, with his friends of his. And he couldn't believe the stuff that I said. And he told me, he said that day, he said, son. I taught you better than that. <laughs> it's dad, no, dad, no. It's not real, dad. It's not real. So, I mean, then he was okay with it, but he he was like, I thought. So, you, so you your dad was still taking the bed, was a shoot at that time. Yeah, 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 he did. He did. I said, no, dad, it's not real. It's not real. And then he felt he felt better about it because I did have some you know good upbringing. <laughs> yeah, he had to be familiar with Gary Hart because Gary was so hot down here in Florida oh. back in the seventies. So. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he so was. that had to be a big thrill for you because you grew up watching Gary Hart, and all of a sudden Gary's going to manage you. And Gary, Gary had had such an army of superstars yeah. behind him there, so you kind of yeah, knew if Gary touched me, I was going to. Shoot I was going places, yeah. yeah, and I I did with Gary. He, like I said, he opened a bunch of doors for me, you know. And hell, then we went to NWA. Yeah. With Gary, Jesse. Gary was another guy that just had that complete business uh, uh, sense about it. I mean, he has a baby face, as a heel. I mean, he just knew what to do and and how to put it all together, which was a lot of guys don't realize the difficulty of doing that switching back and forth there. But Gary, Gary had it all. Yeah, no, nah, he was he was awesome. He really was awesome, you know. So we had, I mean, I traveled with Gary quite a bit, quite a bit. Were you around Akbar much at the time? Yeah, he was. Uh, I think he was with Zabisco. Forgot who he was with managing him, but yeah, we we hung out quite a bit, you know. Another that, that, that's another encyclopedia yeah. of this business too. That, oh, was, yeah. that was so sharp. Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, I mean, smart for the business. 
you know. It was such a great roster in Texas when you were there. You know, a lot of people talk about the the, the Von Erichs versus Freebirds for very good reason, the early 80s. Yeah. But when you were there in the, say, late 80s after 85, it was just as hot. And you guys, oh, yeah. had, you guys had an unbelievable roster of deep talent. Yeah, yeah, definitely did. Yeah, and it was it was it was fun to be on top. I mean, every time I got in the ring with one of the Von Ericks, they they were all sold out. We did the Texas Stadium. We had a double main. Now I'm not going to take all the credit, but it was me and uh, me and Kevin. Though, was it me and Kevin? No, me and Kerry. And uh, Abdullah with Frank, uh, Bruiser Brody. So it was a double main. And there was 104,000 people there. You know, so we had, we had some good, good, a lot of good talent. A lot of good talent, you know. Now, was this the time at the, right, right, uh, shortly after that, that uh, Fritz was selling to Jarrett and uh, that group yeah. coming in? Was you yeah. involved in that in any way in that transition? No. Yeah. I, I dropped the title to Kevin. And that's what did, did you know? Like. Did you know that was coming, or how did that no. come up? Well, yeah, I did know because Gary told me. He said, "Ah, oh, we're leaving. We're going to we're going to NWA." Out of, back then, it was out of North Carolina. Right. I said, "Whatever you want to do." So he had made some phone calls, and Dusty said, "Yeah, come in." And that's when uh, Ted. Is Turner, this the first time that you'd met Dusty when you headed out there too? Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. And he, uh, that's when Ted Turner ended up buying it from Crockett. Right. And so we moved from North Carolina to Atlanta. You know, now the office was out of Atlanta. So, so when you, when you left, when you left uh, Dallas, so uh, Jared had come in and, and business was kind of uh, flowering yeah. at the time. It, so it, it, Gary, it Gary, 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 and Gary wasn't wanting to stay there with Jared. And he no. made the call to, to Jimmy, and Jimmy brought you guys out there. It was kind of a package that he brought all you guys out there, right? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, and uh, when right, right after Gary and I left, it, it fell through, you know. So I mean, again, Gary made the right move, you know. But at the same time, he made the right move. That's when uh, when Turner bought it. Then they brought in I can't remember the guy's name. Not Crockett, uh, Jim Barnett. Yeah. Jim Barnett and Gary were good friends. Right, big, big friends, yeah. Yeah, and Barnett gave him Abdullah, put him back with Abdullah, and teamed us up with Zabisco, Larry Zabisco. And then he started leaning more toward uh, to Abdullah, you know. And like I said, I, I hadn't been beaten there. I wasn't beaten. Um, I had matches with, uh, with Dusty, matter of fact. You know, of course, I put Dusty over. Right. But uh, now, how was it to work for Dusty in Carolina, though? Not, not to interrupt you. No, it, it was it was good. It was yeah. pretty good. Dusty. So, okay, when was Dusty, Dusty was Dusty booking Carolina when you guys went out yeah. there? Yeah, he was business business was business was pretty good out there. Then oh you yeah, probably making good money because that's a good money territory. Yeah, it was, and, and Dusty did a good, a great job there. And when they moved to uh, out of Atlanta. That's when Flair started, you know, him and Flair, Dusty and Flair, the book was going back and forth. The title wanted to go back and forth. And I was, I was caught in the middle of it, you know, because then Gary was more concentrated on with Abdullah. Right. So I was like, yeah, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? So I, I just waited 
Well, you and Larry, you and Larry working tag team? Yeah, yeah, we did tag team. <clears throat> we did some tags. Larry was a great hand too. Yeah, we had Larry on not long ago. He, he spoke very fondly of that time too. Yeah, yeah, he was good. He was good hand. He was, I liked working with Larry. Right. You know, but uh, yeah, after that, uh, well, I had I had a program with Nikita, Nikita Koloff for about six weeks, seven weeks. And it was a great, we had a great run, great run. That guy, that guy was hotter than a firecracker too. Yeah, yeah, he was, yeah, he was. And we had, like I said, we had great matches together. You know, uh, Sting was at the time just coming up and he couldn't sell a ticket, but he could sell pictures. You know, all the young <laughs> girls, <laughs> all the young girls like, oh, Sting, all the paint, everything was right. great for him, you know, and it was good. <clears throat> But uh, we had we were at the end of our program with with uh, Nikita, and he beat me. He 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 took the title, not the title. He beat me in the match. In the final match we had, he had his feet up on the ropes, this that and the other. And Gary and I jumped and got all our heat back, <clears throat> and we jumped and started pounding away on him. And Dusty sends Sting to get us out, and Jerry John. I never ran from anybody, <laughs> you know, and Sting jumps in the ring and he tells me, get out. I looked at him. I looked at him. I said, you get out, <laughs> you know, and he's no, get out, get out. I said, you get out. So after about, let's say maybe 30 seconds, 45 seconds, Gary looks at him, looks at me and puts his hand between us and just like, just, okay, let's go. So we walked out and Sting ran to the dressing room. Dusty, Dusty, Al didn't run. Al didn't run. And Dusty told him, next time, take a chair. Because <laughs> <laughs> Sting, Sting couldn't sell tickets at all, but he'd sell pictures. I mean, the girls liked him, you know. But talent, at the time, he was new. He was he was just coming up. You know, so and he, he sure caught on, though, after that, though. Yeah, yeah, he did. It wasn't long after that, but he did. He did good. He did really good. Hey, Al, you also had the Ultimate Warrior when he was the oh, Dingo Warrior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dingo. Who, yeah. who ended up, same thing, ended up becoming a huge name later uh, in WWE. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, what do you think about the Warrior? He, he, let me tell you something. As far as size, he was big. He was big. He, yeah. was, he was pretty healthy, pretty strong. He wasn't bad, but and not knocking him or not knocking Hogan. They had no gas. They had no wind. You know, and uh, that was a, well, that was one. I had falling out with Vince. You know, here, like I said, I'm Latin. What can I do? I, there's nothing I can do. I'm Latin, and uh, <clears throat> I, I think I was there in, in New York with Vince, maybe five, six months, and never had me on his TV or nothing. You know, I was just working house shows. I was making okay, and this is when Jim uh, Ultimate Warrior took over, took the title. Had you, had you had you met uh, uh, Jim down in Dallas when yeah. he first, yeah. first started to? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so I knew Jim from back then. Yeah. You know, but uh, Vince comes up to me one day on Saturday and he tells me, Al, you know, nobody knows who you are. and know it's hard for you. Nobody knows you. I said, Vince, every time I hit the ring, they're hollering, where's Gary Hart? Kerry Von Eric's going to kick your ass and the Latin heartthrob. Every match I went to, every state I went to, those three things, everybody was hollering. Latin heartthrob, Kerry's going to kick your ass 
where's Gary Hart? I said, so nobody knows who I am, so I'm a piece of shit. And Vince tells me, no, no, no. I said, yeah, Vince, you're telling me it's hard because nobody knows who I am, but yet these three things come out every match. He says, well, as soon as we get you on our TV, you know, it'd be a lot easier for you. So I was like, okay. And <clears throat> I, had, I had my own ways, you know, which might not have been right, but the next day, he tells me, Al, I'm looking for somebody good enough to make my world champion look good. I said, me? He goes, you'd be perfect. I said, Vince, yesterday I was a piece of shit to the New York crowd. Today I'm over good enough to make your champion look good. He goes, yeah. I said, you got the wrong guy. And that was it. Did you yeah. see the, the tidal wave coming during that time? Like we're down in Texas and, and the, the tidal wave of national television of WCW getting it and then WWF, now WWE. Yeah. It. Yeah. That's when, uh, that's when we, when I decided to leave uh, NWA, I wasn't doing anything with Gary because Gary was now, he was more concentrated on Abdullah. And I figured, well, I'm either going to go there or get out of the business. So my wife sent, pictures and everything to Vince and they have a stack about an inch thick of paperwork to fill out and I forgot who it was Her, his secretary said you're the first person that was able to fill out all the papers without mistakes and I said well that's because my wife did it <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it was it was it was good I had a good time with it but it wasn't for me so when I, you I, left WWE, was that you kind of writing it off then? At, at, yeah, I was, I was doing Japan. I was going to Japan. Right. You know, I did that five, five or six times. So who were you working for in Japan? Uh, Baba. Baba. Yeah. Baba. Yeah, yeah. But I did that, and I figured I had more time off. But then uh, I got hurt. I blew out my elbow. And just an infection. How did how did that happen? I've heard different <laughs> yeah, stories I, on that. Yeah, I don't know. I just had that little ball look like a golf ball on my elbow, inflamed. And it happened a lot, but I used to smash it and pop it and it'd go right. away. Back up to a wall and hit your yeah, elbow. Yeah, yeah. That's old wrestlers oh, do. Yeah. <laughs> I did that quite a few times, but yeah. this time it wasn't going away. So I'd gone to a doctor at Florida Orthopedic and he said, I'll just go in there and drain it. And you'll be good. You know, no big deal. So I would know they removed the uh, burster sack. So I, I went in, he did it. <clears throat> and he tells me now you know how the business goes. You don't know what pain is. You're high tolerance for pain, you know, so you don't know what pain is. And the doctor tells my wife and I, I just go back to the gym and let pain be your guide. And my wife says, no, you can't tell him that. He doesn't know what pain is because you go. You just, you just keep right. on moving. You just keep on going. And so I took an extra week off and went back to the gym and started with 20-pound dumbbells, went to 50-pound dumbbells. I grabbed the 70-pound dumbbells, and I felt <laughs> on my elbow, and I just dropped the weight down. I called the doctor. He said, come in. So he looked at it. He said, you tore your tricep. I said, you said I did nothing wrong to the muscle. I didn't hurt the muscle. So he looked at it. And he, he laid me down with my elbow up and he climbed on top of me with my wife right there. He climbed on top of me, got his nail, his thumbnail, and tore the rest of my tricep off the bone. Wow. 
I mean, I had tears. I knew what pain was that day. I had <laughs> tears in my eyes, you know, because you have to justify having surgery for the insurance company. Ooh. So he went in, reattached the tricep, you know, so I, I went home, you know, two weeks with my arm in a, in a brace, came out, take the stitches out, and he drains it because it still had fluid in it. And <clears throat> I'm at my son's baseball game sitting in the stands, and another doctor from Florida Orthopedic is there, and he tells me, Al, call your doctor and tell him that you need to have your elbow looked at again because it's infected. So I call the doctor, so I go back in. He drains it again. Uh, three operations later, he tells me, well, you need another surgery, but not today. This is on uh, the 31st of October. And he tells me, uh, not today. I said, no. So I went back to my room. I called the, my doctor, Dr. Franco. And I said, uh, your Dr. Leffler said I need surgery, but he's not going to do it today. He said, well, I can't do it today. I said, I had breakfast at 8 o'clock in the morning. So six hours would be two o'clock. If you're not here by six o'clock, by two o'clock, I'm throwing everything out the window. Anything that's not bolted down, I'm throwing it out. And he was there and he had, I had surgery. I was there nine days. Every day they'd take me inside and put my elbow in a, in a jacuzzi and then cut all the dead skin tissue off and muscle tissue out. And it didn't get better. Then he went in that one day and there was a little piece of tendon that he had reattached that was infected. And that was it, you know? So he took out 60% of my tendon to my tricep. Oh. So about six months later, I tried to get back in the ring and the bottom point of my arm just felt like it was coming off. So that's when I knew I was done. So then I got me a regular job at, at UPS. <laughs> and from then I never looked back. Did you, you know? think about doing any anything else in the business, managing or anything? Yeah, such no, a big thing. I, I couldn't I couldn't do the managing because I love I love what I did. Yeah. And I, if I couldn't do it, I want no part of it. So I, I think I walked away for at least 15 years before somebody contacted me about doing the autographs. And, I, and still I said no. And then I find uh, a girl that I used to use as a promoter, not a promoter, but my agent, uh, Lori Hirsch. She, uh, she started calling me and tell me, and she got me some good gigs with it. So yeah. I didn't do that for, for a long time. And then I started doing that because I enjoyed it. They asked me about, co uh, about coaching, become a, a coach. And I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. So I, I, I think you would have been a good instructor. I really do a good, good trainer. Jerry, I think so too, but it's in you. It's, it's in you if you're going to make it. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. I mean, you can teach. You can teach anything. But if you're not a natural addict, if you don't have that ability, it's, it's hard. It's hard. You know, and I think because I wasn't asking, see, back in your day, <laughs> like that, uh -huh. back in your day, in our day, majority of the people were athletes. Right. You know, now it's, it's not, they're not very athletic. All you, and I, and I don't watch it, but everything is high flying, you know, flips and that, and nothing means anything anymore. There's no, there's no storyline in any matches. You know, that was another reason I couldn't make it in WWF because 
I didn't like the same match every day. Right. I, I would look outside at the matches and see what was going on because that's how I would change what I did. If they were working on an arm, I'd work on a leg. If they work on the head, I'd work on the back. You know, I always did something different. And Tony Guerrero said, no, do the same match. I told him, no, I, I can't do the same match. I got to feel it, you know, and that's, that was another reason. I guess I was hard to get along with. <laughs> <laughs> you told yeah. us earlier before we got on air that you, you just walked away from the business. Were you, were yeah. you just fed up? Did you not want to have any part of it? Well, well, I, I understand it because I had to retire because of injuries and I just kind of yeah. to go yeah. away as well. Was yeah, that what and that's was? what happened. I, 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 like I said, the, my bottom part of my arm, my forearm just felt like it was falling off. It was going to fall off. So I knew I, I couldn't do it anymore, you know. And now when I walked away, it was the hardest thing to do. But I think that's what kept me. How long, how long did it take you to, to totally adjust that, you know, I'm, um, not, I'm not on the road anymore? Yeah, <laughs> at least a year, two years. Yeah. And you you had a you had a family, a wife, and kids at the yeah. time, and so yeah. you had something to take your time up. But it's so hard. I know when when I when I finally got out of the ring, it was probably one of the hardest things I, I did uh, just mentally. You know, yeah. How, how am I going to do this? You know, because your time is just occupied thinking one track all the time. Yeah. You know how, how you could get better in a business and how you can make your matches better. Yeah. Like I said, it's it, when you're. If you love what you do, you work harder at it. And I did. I worked harder than Dustin out of Georgia. We were running. I was running. Now you 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 had you had Dustin probably first run down here in Florida, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, I did. We, we kind of skipped over that. Tell them what I mean. He went as a natural, but from what I remember seeing, he was a natural. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was it was tough. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't he wasn't all I've had worse. Yeah, <laughs> I've, had, I've had a lot of work, you know? and I can say names, but man, <laughs> everybody thought Lex Luger was fantastic. He looked like a million dollars, but he was the most uncoordinated guy ever. I had a 20 minute match with him in Texas in uh, Houston. Never got out of a headlock. You because, did the right thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. I know. Because, I mean, I got, I put myself in the headlock. I said, hold on. I did a 20-minute match in the it's, headlock. It's amazing what you can work in a time. And John, John smiling because he's done the same thing out of the headlock. Yeah, yeah. But it's amazing what you can do out of the headlock. When you're oh, in yeah. Ring with somebody like and that. And this way, there's no, you don't have any worry about any control loss because he's there. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm holding on to him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I even told him, throw me out. As he threw me out, I pulled him out with me. <laughs> But every he was a Nikita was good, but he was another one that you had to keep him tied down uh, because he would he would do something and next thing you know he get hit in the forehead with an elbow. <laughs> you know he was he was just like like a spaz. He was just like jump. You know, and like, so I, I knew I had to stay close with him. You know, but. Knocking anybody? Yeah. No, I had. Isn't it, it strange when when you find these? You you learn real quick how, how you control these guys, and we we've all had to go through there. You either keep a guy right pinned down on top of you, or you keep them in a hole where yep. you can totally control them, and and, yep. and, and that's a, sometimes you got to do that to have a match. Oh yeah, to make it to make it make sense. Yeah, 
you know, and I was, I was always a strong believer in if you work in the leg, you sell the leg to the end, you know, and like I said, nowadays, you don't know who's a hero baby face, you know, because it's, it's like, it's like a fight, a brawl. So which one of these territories, Al, did, did you, 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 you consider where you had, had the best run and, and your best time? Dallas uh, or? I got to say Dallas. Yeah. I have to say Dallas. Yeah, they had, there was a lot of talent there. There was a lot of talent there, you know, and it was easy to work. And your road trips weren't, weren't killer road trips either, weren't um, We would, out of, out of Dallas, we do Waco, San Antonio, uh, Houston, uh, and then we go up to Oklahoma, Tulsa, you know, and, and we hit that, and we were back home every night just yeah. about. Yeah, you missed you missed Chris Adam. He he was training a couple of guys. Did you run into Stone Cold when he when he was training yeah. there? No, yeah. no, no, Stone Cold. No, no. uh, uh-uh. 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 who who were some of the guys coming out of Chris's school when you were there? Jerry, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. I don't. I don't really know. So yeah. they, and Stone Cold was what after you then? Yeah, he was after me. He was after me. He was after me. Yeah, yeah. But uh, who else? There, there were so many guys that I had. Yeah, they, they was just talent galore down there. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people didn't get along with this one Matt Bourne. Yeah. Matt Bourne was hard to get along with. And I had I had a 90-minute match with him. We went Broadway. You know, uh, hell, he, he <laughs> like I said, Jerry, I was in shape for it. I mean, I mean, that's what I did. I wanted it. And we did 45 minutes. <clears throat> and we did an hour. And right there at the end, one, two, he's got me pinned for the title. One, two, ding, ding, ding. You talk time. I had great timing with it. I loved it. I loved what I did, you know. But one, two, bell ring. <clears throat> and everybody pretend more, more bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. So Gary Hart and uh, Matt's dad, born. Tony Bourne got together and said, let's go another 15 minutes. So we did another 15 minutes. Same thing. One, two, ding, ding, ding. And the people went crazy. So they said another 15 minutes. Matt Bourne gave up on me a few times, you know, and I I would hold him down in a rear chin lock. I said, catch your breath. Let's go. Because, I mean, I, I loved it. I really loved it. And we did another 15 minute draw. And by the time we walked out of there, there were, you could see a couple of spots, maybe the size of a dime that wasn't soaking wet. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, the mat was just covered in sweat. And when we walked out of there, we got a standing ovation on both of us. And that was in Dallas, uh, Dallas stadium, you know, so well, not stadium uh, where he did the filming, you know? So, I mean, we, we had it, we had it good. It was really good. I had great talent to work with. Well, that, that, that's a great thing about this business, too. You know, the talent that, that you get to share the ring with, you know, and you, you touched them all from from Dusty Road uh, on, on up to, to the end of your career, the, the Flares and the Stage and, and the Warriors there. So you, yeah. you've, you've had a magnificent career. And tell us a little bit about Al Perez now. You're retired here in beautiful Tampa. <laughs> and then, did you do – are you looking for any autograph session or you do any of those things? Um, I do a few. I do a few. Uh, yeah. 
with all the COVID, my phone stopped ringing. I didn't want yeah, to travel. And everybody's phone stopped ringing. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, eh, no, I'm not into traveling. I got one coming up in Fort Lauderdale next month. Uh, you know, so I'm going to do that, and we'll see how many times my phone rings. I don't change. Do, do they still go through Lori Hurst to, to, yeah. to book yeah. her? Okay, so yeah. do you have her email or how to contact uh, I got her? her phone number, yeah. Yeah. I got her phone I should put it out there. <laughs> okay, well, uh, yeah, put it out there. Yeah, we'll help you, help you, help you get it. Yeah, I will. So. I will. I will. But, she's, uh, a, she's on Facebook and Twitter and all that, right? She is. I right? believe so, yeah. I, all that, I, I, I call her. And you're one of you're one of those guys that 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 social media don't don't have any desire any uh, 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 media at all, right? No, uh, uh, like I said, I don't want anybody to know what I do. And hell, hell, hell that only took us 25 minutes to get you on this Zoom call here. Was that all? Yeah, you you you, you you beat you beat San Hansen, you beat uh, the late great Timmy White, <laughs> you beat you beat all these guys, and even yeah. who tugboat, even uh, Fred Ottman. We uh -huh. I mentioned to you, hey, I got Fred on. If I can get Fred on, I can get anybody on. <laughs> and I, I hate to admit it, but I had to call that damn Texan and ask. For <laughs> That's the only reason you got me on. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, Al Perez, after after the wrestling business, I did 27 years with UPS. Wow, great. Wow, that's I awesome. Retired. Yeah, I retired from that. That's probably the best move you made, right? <laughs> yes, it was. My wife tells me all the time that was the best I ever made. I had insurance. I have a pension. I had everything, you know. And matter of fact, my wife is still on UPS insurance. Wow. Until until I until she turns 65. Uh, Great. So I mean, I, I got, I had it great. I had it great. You know, it was a, it was the best company I ever worked for. <laughs> yeah. And and your son's in the real estate business here in Tampa. <clears throat> yeah. 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 He's he not laying old blocks or putting stucco up like no, that. <laughs> no, he had a scholarship. Uh, uh, where, where did, did, did he rise? Well, he was quite successful high school wrestler here in, in town yeah, too. Yeah, he where, where, where did, did he go and wrestle at college somewhere? Or what? Yeah, he went to USF. They didn't have a, they didn't have a team. They had a well, club. they have a great club team. They won several national championships yeah, yeah. over there. Yeah, and he he and he was fifth in nationals. Yeah. You yeah, know, they, so they, they their club their club is noted. I think they won like four or five national titles yeah, with their yeah, with their club yeah. club meeting. And yeah. I and, and if all worked out right, that, that school might eventually uh, morph into a, a Division One wrestling yeah. team there too. So yeah, they could. I hope it does. Yeah, yeah. He uh, after his scholarship, he told me, he "said Dad, I think I'm gonna take a year right, right out of high school. I think I'm gonna take a year off." And uh, I said, "No, you're not." <laughs> he said, I'll, "I'll do what you did." I said, "No, you're not." <laughs> I said, you're getting an education. Yeah. <laughs> so he went, got an education. So he—that's what he got into with real estate, you know. And well, I tell him all the time. I said, "Look at what I go through every day, you yeah. know, because now I, I know what pain is, you know, <laughs> <laughs> elbows, back, neck, you name it, knees." When we're Everything. young and dumb, we didn't we didn't know what hurt was. <laughs> nothing, no, nothing, nothing could stop us. Nothing stopped us back then. Now it's like I look at oh, I don't want to do that, you know. Yeah, now when like, you go to the gym, all you think it is, how do I not get hurt? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I was a I was a big bencher when I was younger. And now I do 95 pounds and I'm happy to do it. <laughs> I am 95 pounds. If I get 40, 50 reps at a time, that's what I'm doing. You know? Yeah. But yeah. 
I I love the business. It was great. I, and I had a really good time. Good, but I wish I would have done UPS long ago. <laughs> you know, and I asked Jody one time. I said, "If you could do it all over again, would you do the same thing?" And he told me, he says, "Al, that's what made me who I am." You know, and it makes sense. But sometimes when I get up in the morning and I and I hurt. I'm like, man, I wish I would have done UPS before. <laughs> you know, but I had, I had, like I said, I had good runs wherever I went. I think one of my hardest territories was for Cowboy Bill Watts. Yeah. You know, well, and the tra uh, travel there was miserable. I know that. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. And he was, he was funny about the people he hired. It was very funny. I mean, he, he he was very protective about the business, Al. I mean, that that yeah, that was Bill's whole mo. I'm gonna protect his business. He was old school all the way. I'm gonna yeah. protect his business. You fight, you fight all you want to, but when you're damn fight or go home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he had, he had some tough guys with him at the time too. That's why I met Buzz Sawyer. Yeah. You know, and Buzz knew who I was and everything. I and thought you said he had some tough guys around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Tough and crazy. <laughs> but he was he was one of them guys look like at Steve Williams. You know, Dr. Death Steve Williams. He was he was yeah, from he, he, was, he was a tough you know, he's Colorado boy that played it. Yeah, was he Colorado? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but he played played football and wrestling both of them. Yeah, yeah, but that was Bill's Bill liked taking care of athletes. I mean, if you were yeah, an athlete, he, he would re, he would recruit you. He was one of the first guys that actually went out and kind of tried to recruit college athletes, which I, I gave him a lot of credit for. Yeah. And he brought he, he a lot did. of them. He brought a lot of them in. A lot of them were good, like 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 uh, Steve. I mean, and Gary yeah. Albright, guys like that. They yeah. were they were they were stand up guys and good guys for the business, and 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 earned a lot of respect in the business. Oh yeah, yeah. He uh, he was he was tough on it. I yeah. saw him not hire a guy because his eyes were too close together. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he was because they were looking at pictures today, and he said no. His eyes are too close together. I was like, Ooh, she. <laughs> yeah. But he was he was a tough guy to work for. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he was. I was in the yeah. office one time with Dick Murdoch and Skandor Akbar, and somebody sent a picture in, and he goes, and the the bio was, "Do not drink, do not smoke." <laughs> Murdoch threw it in the trash. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Why would we want Dick. him? <laughs> You're not gonna stop Dick from drinking. I mean, he, right. <laughs> he used to drive a pickup truck to the shows. And I mean, I, I was going to get in a ride with him one time. I was like, hell no. He had spit tobacco everywhere. Beer cans. I was like, I'm not doing that. You know, you talk about road trips. <laughs> Scott Casey. All right. Yes. He, uh, we, made, we made a few miles together, too, out of San Antonio. He had a friend of his who had a Jeep. Okay. Now, I don't know if you know, if you've ever been in a Jeep before. It is not the smoothest ride. No. Okay. I mean, we took a ride from uh, from San Antonio to Waco. It's 188 miles. And it wasn't too bad going down up there. And the weather was okay during the day, but at night it got cold. <laughs> <laughs> that Jeep beat me up. <laughs> it was the roughest ride I ever had. I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. Well, let me ask you this. That wasn't the night that Scott came. We had Scott Casey on about a year ago. Scott was telling us the story about the UFO. 
Did Scott ever share that story with you? I don't think so. Or Helman Mel Mel Muscaris. Who 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 else, John? Mel Muscaris. Uh, it was Chief, wasn't it? Who? Was it Chief? Yeah, Wahoo McDaniel. Wahoo. Now just naming off the, the, the riders of, of the of the uh, of the vehicle. You could see why they might have thought they yeah. saw a UFO there. <laughs> But he yeah. he swears he saw a UFO there. So well, it's one of the greatest stories ever. I don't know. We don't oh. know for sure if any of it's true, but it's the greatest story ever. <laughs> well, let me tell you, Scott. Uh, Scott been around. Scott yeah, been trying. around, man. Yeah. He was he was another good hand that I worked with. You know. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I took it all in. I took everything I could from everybody I could. You know, if I could learn, I learned. My you mentioned his name before, Manny Fernandez. Yeah. Well, when he was a raging bull, I was a lonely bull. <laughs> and they teamed us up together. And Manny was a hell of a talent. He yeah, really he was. was. Yeah. But, buddy, he can get on your nerves. You know, yeah. in Texas. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> yeah. In Texas, they have a doctor at all the matches. They check your blood pressure every day. You know, well, Manny had me so pissed off one day because I missed a spot. I was a baby face. I missed a spot. And the next night, I get, you know, get ready to ring. <clears throat> and he checked my blood pressure. My blood pressure was 180 over 130. Wow. <laughs> and the doctor told me, Al, I can't let you wrestle. I said, I'm okay, I'm okay. He says, no, no. So I, I had to lay down for like 30 minutes. And he checked it. And it went down, I think it was like 160 over 100. So he let me get in the ring. And I missed a spot. It was a six-man tag. It was me. Manny and Scott Casey against uh, Butch and Luke and the Mummy, which was uh, uh, ben, Benji Ramirez. Ben, no, uh, uh-uh. no, uh, Bobby Duncan. Bobby Duncan. Duncan. Oh, he was the Mummy. Yeah. And when I missed this spot, Manny got went got crazy. Luke and Butch had to grab me and hold me down and tell them, "Get out of here! Get out of the building now!" Because I'm. I was I was about to kill. I was like I lost it. I did. I had a little temper, but uh, he he they told him get out, get out of here. Now he left. He left the building. <laughs> After oh, that, hey, now I, I gotta I gotta thank you because uh, your your working brother or cousin Lou Perez. Yeah, Lou. Yeah. Cousin. So my big break in the business beca- became because of him. I've never met him. So I go down to Sportatorium. I'm looking for a job. I walk in the first day. They I've been trained by Brad Ryan's. They knew Brad, and I'd play a little pro football. So I'm sitting there just waiting to see if I get a job. Lou couldn't make the show when he was in the main event, and oh, they said, wow. "Oh my goodness, yeah, he had some travel issue or something." Yeah. So they stuck me in the main event, my first match ever. It was the biggest break I ever got. It was all because yeah. of Lou Perez, and I, yeah. I've never I've never run into him. Oh yeah, he's still around. He's a pretty good guy. He is. Was he your working <laughs> yeah. brother or cousin? Cousin, cousin, cousin. Yeah, yeah. We uh, <laughs> they tried to bring me down to Tampa and work at the fairgrounds one time to help his career as a babyface, and I think they wanted to turn me back to a babyface. I don't know. And on the way to the ring, because we had a tag match, on the way to the ring. Somebody said something to me, and I just went completely off on him. And my cousin looks at me and goes, well, I guess that's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just, you know, I guess I was a natural heel. 
<laughs> so some of us yeah. are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it comes so easy though. You know? <laughs> I guess I can be an asshole. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I had I had some good runs, really good runs. You know, the territories of people. Some of the guys I ran into were great, and of course, you know, some of the guys were assholes. But that's anywhere you go. That's anywhere. Probably the UPS. You got probably got to you got to work through those guys. Who, we're, we're tell, tell us this, you know, work working in a business so, so long, you you know, you're, you're meeting deluxe assholes and deluxe jerk offs and everything, but you meet great people too. Yeah, and it's do. probably the same when you when you go to UPS, you probably ran into some real, 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 oh, real yeah. guys that you didn't want to spend too much time with there, yeah. too, right? They're everywhere. You know, they're always saying God put assholes. They couldn't put them all in the same building. They had one here and one here and one here. <laughs> but if you holler, hey, asshole, everybody would turn around and look at you, you know. So it's just, it was it was a funny thing. But, yeah, there's assholes everywhere in every business and all. But there's also the good people that are there, too, you know. Yeah, we got one of them on our, our, as our guest today. Al, we sure appreciate you, your, your time today. I know yeah, we had we had some good time uh, getting you on the air here, which was, which will be a good memory of us. And you'll go down in our archives and say, "What guy we could talk about to help her get on yeah. the, the internet here?" So yeah, we yeah. appreciate your time today. Your stories you. are just fantastic, man. Yeah. What a career you had! The Latin heart throb was for real, man. And and we appreciate that uh, your time and what what you contributed to this business and yeah. man maybe maybe someday we can get together and do it again you know yeah we'll do that lunch once a month I hope you know <laughs> but Jerry John I enjoyed it man thanks for having me and if you ever need anything give me a holler you know where all I'm right, at all right brother thank you Andrew. all right y'all take care.